I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The Deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. The Athletic. Let's talk about six, baby. Let's talk about you and me. Let's talk about all the good things and the bad things that may be. Let's talk about six. Transfer deadline day. Well, it threw up some really interesting stories uh, where Liverpool's concerned. The signing of Luis Diaz, the mystery surrounding Fabio Carvalho, as well as Nico Williams' uh, exit. We're going to get to the bottom of it all on the pod. Plus, of course, Liverpool are back in action in the FA Cup, one of four trophies they are still chasing. I'm Steve Hoversall on the Red Agenda with me, James Pearce and Simon Hughes. Let's get straight into what happened on January the 31st, last day of the transfer window. Um, and it seemed like a deal for Carvalho was going to happen. But why on earth did it not beat the clock, James? Just the complications with trying to get everything done before that 11pm cut-off point, Steve. I think um, you know if it had been a Premier League to Premier League deal, they, Liverpool would have had the extra leeway of been able to submit a deal sheet before 11pm and that way you get that two-hour extension to to get all the paperwork up together but with Fulham obviously being an EFL club they didn't have that luxury in this case and they simply you know did run out of time I think the main reason being that the negotiations between the clubs dragged on right the way through Monday you know our, our information was it was you know seven o'clock before Fabio Carvalho had the green light to to actually go and have his medical and, and and talk to Liverpool because I think Liverpool had been very careful up to that point to, to be seen, but to be doing everything exactly by the book. And then also I think the other complication that I was told in terms of trying to get everything done before 11 was it wasn't just the paperwork for him to become a Liverpool player. It was also the paperwork to then loan him back to Fulham for the rest of the season, which are two different things uh, wrapped up obviously into one. So um yeah, despite the best efforts, they um they just couldn't couldn't get it done in time. So obviously frustrating, but you know you obviously have to factor in that he wouldn't have joined Liverpool until the summer anyway. He wouldn't have kicked a ball for Liverpool until August, and there's still there's still a decent chance that will happen. Although obviously the fact that they didn't get it all done and rubber stamped does leave the door open for you know his other suitors, of which that there are many. It does leave you baffled, side, doesn't it? Because James wrote about Carvalho, what, two weeks ago. It was quite obvious he was on Liverpool's radar. So then you're thinking, well, why is this all left to the final 24 hours, particularly if there's a time complication, which is which has been the problem at the end of it all? I'm only second-guessing here, but obviously as the window gets closer, there's more activity at other clubs, which then sets the wheels in motion and frees up the funds to go and sign certain players at certain points, which then potentially has... <laughs> Liverpool having to react to that. Liverpool obviously in a strong position just because of you know who they are and where where they are in the league in terms of the players that they've managed to sort of promote. You know younger players over the last four or five years. Obviously the concern is that Carvalho can now go and agree terms with a foreign club in a lot more straightforward manner before the end of the season. And Fulham will get less money, but. 
I think James just said there that, that obviously Fulham's priority is getting into the Premier League and keeping hold of him between now and the end of the season was viewed of Fulham as imperative for them to get back into the Premier League where the amount of money that the club will receive for that promotion potentially will be far greater than any sale made from him in the short term. So the clubs always get criticised, don't they, for, for acting late in the transfer window. But sometimes you are at the whim of events. I mean, we, we, I'm sure we'll speak about Luis Diaz. He, 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 I think Liverpool were confident in getting him in the summer. Spurs suddenly obviously came into the into the equation and wanted to sign him, which then me, meant that Liverpool had to make a move sooner than they were anticipating. But I still think, you know, they, they got that deal over the line. Credit to them. I think this one was a bit more complicated by a number of reasons, not mainly because of the players' contract being up at the end of the season. That makes it more difficult, I think, to, to broker a deal in a shorter space of time. But it's quite clear that Liverpool are looking at attacking players, which, you know, leads on to questions about the futures of the, the players that have have been there for a number of years. You know, I've written an article this morning about how the best clubs or the, the clubs that tend to have enduring success are the clubs that are able to, to, to sort of let go of the superstar players at the age of 30. Now, I'm not saying that they should be doing that with Mo Salah, but it certainly seems like at the moment somebody like, you know, Mane and, and Firmino there will be question marks over their futures given their age, given that they haven't sorted the contracts out, given that there are now players that Liverpool have bought and are trying to sign that will be pushing them. So I think it's it's a good thing that Liverpool are, are acting ahead of time. Obviously, we've discussed before, haven't we, Steve, about earlier on in the window whether I felt that Liverpool maybe should have signed somebody last summer because of what was to come in January. I mean, I've got to say they navigated that period brilliantly. I thought they'd find it a lot harder uh, certain things have fallen into place which have been favourable to them so they've been able to play key players against Chelsea and obviously with, with the cup draws that they've had the FA Cup draws quite favourable I'd say but you know credit where credit's due I, I do think that San and Diaz and, and going for another player at this time I think it shows that you know, they're not just sitting around waiting for things to happen to them that they're trying to trying to ensure that they've got players who are both for the now and for the future. Yeah, it shows intent and, and forward planning. Just where Fabio Carvalho is is concerned, do we have any indication that Liverpool is his number one uh, choice further down the line, James? I mean, you, you both mentioned this idea that foreign clubs might come in for him now, it might be easier for him to move there. But does he? is there a certain attraction to Liverpool? Do we know anything personally that might guide him to Anfield? Well, well, we know we know certainly that he wanted to join Liverpool on Monday. You know that, that it was a paperwork issue rather than concerns about trying to convince him that Liverpool was his was his best option then. So that you know that gives you hope. Certainly, Liverpool seem confident still that a deal can be brokered. Would I think, it be a different deal? Does it change all of a sudden for Liverpool? Well, that's the thing, isn't it? That that's what we don't know at the minute. Are Fulham prepared to just take in the summer what they agreed on Monday? Or will they see it not going through as an opportunity to renegotiate? And the same with the player. You know, will the player be happy to take what he was going to take on Monday night, or will, will he see, you know, the, this as now? Well, actually, do you know what? Nothing's going to get decided for a while. So, you know, do I just take stock and and see what else comes up? I mean, you know, I think, you know, clearly there's that link there with Harvey Elliott. You know, they were pals from their their youth football days at at Fulham. We know that. Part of the attraction for Carvalho was 
you know, he sees at what Jurgen Klopp has done for Trent Alexander-Arnold, for Curtis Jones, for Elliot as well, in terms of helping young players develop. Because certainly from people close to the player, they've made it clear that money is not the massive motivator for them. It's more he wants to make sure he goes somewhere where he plays. And that was why, you know, I think up until early evening on Monday, he hadn't actually spoken directly to Klopp and he was very eager to have that conversation because he wanted to know where he fitted into it, into his plans. So, um, so yeah, Liverpool, I'm sure, will look to move quickly and, and hope that they can they can wrap this up because, if you know, if all parties agree then there's nothing to stop it getting done for the summer in the coming weeks. You know, it's only the way that the rules work with a young player like that who's coming out of contract in the summer is if you don't have an agreement with his club, you have to wait until the third Saturday in May as an English club to directly contact him. That's that's the rules because then he's inside the last month of his contract and he's then able to speak to English clubs. But obviously, if Liverpool and Fulham have an arrangement and Fulham will say no problem. You can you can speak to Carvalho. Then clearly that's that's no longer a hurdle. The where obviously the overseas clubs and we know that you know Dortmund, uh, Benfica was another one. Barcelona, I think you know the big attraction for them is they don't need to negotiate a fee with Fulham. You know I think the compensation would be less than half a million pounds that they'd have to pay. And obviously the knock on effect to that is that then all that money you've saved in the transfer fee bearing in mind that Liverpool were prepared to go up to 8 million. You know, you could offer that in wages and in signing on fees to the player. So that, you know, and if, if that money is then coupled with a, a clear pathway to the first team and guarantees over playing time, then, you know, whilst it's not 100% done, there is that that danger there. So um, and just, just going back to what you said before, Steve, about why, because lots of people have said to me, why was it left so late? But I think you could say that about a lot of deals that get done. You know, why, why is it always a desperate scramble at the back end of the window? I think, you know, the reality was that I think Liverpool for a long time thought that Fulham wouldn't be prepared to sell him in January. Anyway, Fulham weren't. I think the information coming out of Fulham was that they were still desperate to try and convince him to sign a new contract. You know, I think even up until last week, you know, Fulham were, you know, he, he's in the process of changing agents at the minute, which makes things more difficult as well. And so there was a there was a feeling at Fulham of, you know, OK, well, maybe once he's got that agent situation settled, maybe we could have another go at trying to keep hold of him. And certainly they didn't want to lose him, you know, lose another gifted young player to Liverpool on the back of what happened with Harvey Elliott. But then obviously with the money that was offered, coupled with the loan fee... And and then obviously, if you wait on a tribunal, there's a lot of uncertainty over what what that figure would be. I think that suddenly made it quite attractive to Fulham. But you know, of course, all of those things changed dramatically in the in the last 24 hours of the window. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. 
Listen to the deal. Listen to the deal on Spotify. Well, let's go to a deal that did go through, and and that's Luis Diaz. And obviously, the fans are really excited about this fourth most expensive player in Liverpool's history. Sai, as you say, you've written a piece on. Um, the changing times at Liverpool with players coming in. And, and one one line that stood out to me, you put the timing of Diaz's arrival means he's under less pressure to deliver straight away. What What is expected of him in the short term? Well, in the short term, he'll obviously be expected to perform. You won't be able to sit around for six months sort of figuring out how things are at Liverpool. But what I meant by that is, is that he's still got four players ahead of him, really, at Liverpool. Three of those players' contracts run out in, in 18 months' time. So it's a, it's a deal for now, but it's a deal for then as well. It gives him the time to learn about the standards, adjust to the new country, and play a role in the next six months where he'll be an additional threat for Liverpool at a time when, you know, I think I think it's been fair to say that, that at times this season it's felt like they haven't had the attacking depth of options just because... It seems like a Rigi's career at Liverpool's coming to an end, and suddenly he has a re-emergence. Minamino, there's there's questions about him. I think he's actually performed quite well in the games that he's been involved in this season, Minamino. So now they've got a lot of options up front between now and the end of the season, which I think, given the number of competitions that Liverpool are left in, you know, they're still fighting for the league title. I think it's very unlikely that they will win it, but you never know, you know, if, if if City were to, to drop points and Liverpool were to put pressure on them, it would be interesting to see how they'd react to that. You know, they're in the FA Cup, they're in the League Cup final, they're in the Champions League. So there's a huge amount of games to play. And it's also worth considering, of course, you know, you've got Mo Salah and Sadio Mane who played a lot of football over the last month, had very little rest. Every chance that both players could be in the uh, Africa Cup of Nations final uh, this weekend. So... There's been a lot of pressure on those players as well, external pressure. I mean, I'm sure they're used to that, the world-class players, aren't they? But there will come a point where they'll need to be pulled out, as as, as Jürgen Klopp has done in previous seasons, where he's he's fielded different teams towards the end of the season when you know there's a, there's a tight uh, fixture schedule. So I think he'll, he will contribute between now and the end of the season, but when I say there's not the immediate pressure of being somebody's replacement you know, it's not like he sold a world-class player and he's coming in, he's got to deliver straight away. He's got to perform well, but there isn't that immediacy of if he's the replacement for a certain player. In the next 18 months, he could... He, he's, he's arrived, having played a lot on the left wing at Porto, or left midfield, left wing at Porto, because they play a 4-4-2, I believe. But I think you could see his role change as well. So, it's for me, it's a really exciting sign. And I've seen a reasonable amount of him, you know, clips of him certainly to... Suggests he's got that explosiveness and speed to play in the attack for Liverpool, which for me remains such an important part of the the team's makeup. You know that that explosiveness, you know, helps them get into some you know some really promising positions against the highest caliber opponents. So, you know, it's, it's a really encouraging sign that Liverpool are looking eighteen months ahead really with this sign, and they've already got Diogo Jota, who I think is more than proven himself worthy of a replacement for Firmino, albeit a different type of player. You've got Diaz now. It's just the question mark, I guess, relates to um, the fella who plays on on the right wing. <laughs> uh, it's, his goal record's brilliant, isn't it? In the Portuguese league, what fourteen goals in sixteen games, James? And as I was reading your piece, uh, which people can check out on the Athletic, you, you've spoken to the the Portugal correspondent for World Soccer, 
who said he could rarely remember a player improving so much in one season, which got me really excited. But do you, do you remember him from when Liverpool played Porto? I've, I've got to say, I haven't got a solid memory of, of his performance from the Champions League. No, I'd be, I'd be absolutely lying to you, Steve, if I said I watched him in those two games and thought that is a player Liverpool must sign off the back of this. But no, I think certainly speaking to people that have seen a lot more Louis Diaz play than, than I have and... Is it is it Lu- is it Louis or Lewis? By the way, I don't know, Steve. Who's who's our linguist? Simon, you're our world expert. Yeah, I I would have thought it was Lewis. And you've got a world map behind you of South America, yeah. there, Sai. So you should really you know, know these yes, things. Si. You're a seasoned South American traveller. You must yeah. know. Okay, it's only because you changed his first name, then, James. Go on, continue. For example, if, if the same applies to Suarez. It was Liverpool fans that started calling him Louis. I think just because it's more... <laughs> Lewis is not a very Liverpool thing to say, is it? Louis sounds more Liverpoolian. All right. Just go with Diaz, James. This lad, Diaz. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I think a few people mentioned that they, they felt that last year's Copa America was like absolute liftoff for him in terms of like he just never looked back from then. He was joint top scorer with Lionel Messi at the tournament. And the fact that the kind of the baton in terms of the Colombian national team has been passed from... James Rodriguez to him in terms of the the kind of attacking talisman that that supporters look to to provide some inspiration, and they said that from then last summer going back to Porto, they just said he he looked like a, a different player and his numbers back that up. I mean, if you know Mark Carey, who's our data guy at the Athletic, if you look at you know all the the stats graphics that he produced for that long read we did on Diaz, you know it just reinforces just how his game has been absolutely transformed in terms of um, goals, assists, just even where he's where he's having his attempts from goal from. You know, lethal, the fact that, you know, his, his signature move is cutting in off that left-hand side onto his right foot and and then curling it towards the, the far corner. Yet, he's also shown this season he can go the other way, down the outside, and produce pinpoint crosses for, for teammates to score. So, um, yeah, just... Just mouthwatering, isn't it, to think that he's coming on board? And uh, you know, I, I agree with what Sai said about. I think it does make a big difference coming in, especially when you you know it will be a big step up for him because the Premier League is is completely different to the Portuguese league. But it's he doesn't have that burden of suddenly filling someone's shoes, you know that, and that is a lovely position for him to be in as he adjusts to to his new surroundings. And we've seen before that. You know, it's not very often that a new signing under Klopp does get thrown in at the deep end. I think he will be given time, you know, to make the necessary adjustments to his game, probably more out of possession than in possession, because we, we know how important that is under Klopp. And, and then even factoring into that, the fact that Minamino and Origi both stayed, suddenly, you know, an area that people have quite rightly flagged as a, you know, do Liverpool have sufficient depth there to really kick on and win the biggest prizes this season? Well, when you're adding Diaz someone of his calibre to the mix, to what you've already got. It doesn't half whet your appetite when you think that, you know, Liverpool came through what many thought was going to be a really tricky January un- unscathed, still challenging on four fronts. And and now they've added, you know, an, an elite talent to, to the pool already there. And we're doing this pod on the day when he's expected to, to fly over and, and gain his work permit. So presumably he might not be involved for the Cardiff game because that's quite soon. But maybe what next week against Leicester. In fact, there's so many games in this month, Si. I would imagine we'll see a fair few minutes of Diaz. It'd be interesting how Klopp approaches it because I think James is right. I think off the ball, I think there'll be an adjustment 
particularly in that attacking area, it's so important, the pressing at the top end of the pitch. But I'm sure the Klopp will also be aware of the crowd needs a bit of a lift in a, in a home game. And you just brought in a big new signing, an exotic new signing, who's going to get people on the feet. You know, it's not a bad bad thing to have, you know, on the bench, is it? So, we'll see, yeah. I mean, I, I it's quite interesting what James said there, because when he played for Porto, I mean, I've got to say, not a single Porto player has stood out against Liverpool on all the occasions that Liverpool have played them. They've been, they've been awful, to be honest. Uh, but I think, again, you've got to give Liverpool credit because they, they've given other teams big problems. You know, they've given Atletico Madrid and Juventus problems, so they can't be that bad. I just think that Liverpool have, um, you know, got a number on them. But I remember when Liverpool signed Alisson Becker at Roma, and I mean, how many goals did he concede against Liverpool in you know the two two legs? I mean, I wouldn't have said they've got to go and sign him straight away. I mean, he certainly didn't affect the tie and, and help Roma on that day. You could even argue to some extent Virgil Van Dijk. I, th- I think I'm right in saying did did he play in that League Cup game when Southampton conceded six against Liverpool? Nobody was saying you've got to go and get him straight away. So. So Liverpool do have a track record of signing players where you don't immediately say, well, you have to sign him. The only one who I've actually signed where I thought that really does make sense on every possible level was Sadio Mane because I just like the way you know his aggressiveness and he impacted in games against Liverpool and I thought, yeah, he looks to be the sort of player that Klopp would, would work well with. So, yeah, it, it will be fascinating to see because I, I agree with everything that's been said in the sense that the, the Portuguese league it's such a massive jump, I think, on the plus side. You would say that Man City signs a centre-back from Benfica last season who's become arguably one of the best defenders in the league and he's he's been able to make that adjustment. So hopefully there are signs there that it is possible to make a jump up from a big club in Portugal and go in the Premier League and, and make a mark straight away. But I'm just excited to see him play because that there hasn't been... We don't see, I suppose, a huge turnarounds of players at Liverpool it's not the way it is you know it, it just doesn't happen like that I mean, in that piece that you mentioned Steve I was making the comparison really that Man United in their, in their sort of glory era this is what they did every 12-18 months added a player added a player added a player so it never felt like there was that big turnover of players obviously now with Man City involved in the, at the top of the league and their resources it has been possible for them to sign 13 players and sell 15 players over successive summers now Liverpool would never be able to do that because of the way the financial situation at the club is in terms of the ownership so I think this way you know gradually you know this gradual sort of evolution is the way that they have to do and it it can work but it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to go and dominate leagues for for a long period of time because the threat of City is is so vast and that they do have the capacity to to make a bigger mark in a shorter space of time in the transfer market. We're sponsored for this episode of Walk On by LinkedIn, so it's only right that we crowbar in a reference to Liverpool's super slick recruitment process while we talk them up. Because when you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. And that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like Arnie Slot, probably. 
In any given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. In fact, on LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. So hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash walk. That's L-I-N-K-E-D-I-N dot com slash walk to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Two players that left Liverpool for game time. One was Nat Phillips and the other Nico Williams. Obviously, Nico's gone to Fulham and Nat to Bournemouth. In terms of Nico and actually what Liverpool have got as sort of right-back resource now, are we looking at Connor Bradley? Are we looking at James Milner? What's the plan should anything happen to Trent James? Yeah, well, I think there was a feeling at the club that they are very well stocked in terms of options if anything happened to Trent or if it, if the feeling is he needs a breather at some point. We've seen... Connor Bradley step in and, and do really well at times this season. I thought he was excellent in the last round of the FA Cup against Shrewsbury. Um, and yeah, Joe Gomez can fill in there. We've seen James Milner do it there if if needs be. So I think even even going back to last summer, there was Liverpool were prepared to listen to offers for Nico then, with the feeling being that he's obviously got big aspirations with Wales. He was involved obviously with the Euros, wants to be part of their squad at Qatar later on this year but obviously not much use for him if he's spending the vast majority of the domestic season sat on the bench so yeah I think in the absence of any permanent offers it probably made sense to to loan him out and you know I think intriguing as well the fact that it was Fulham because I think that certainly shows that relations between the clubs have have improved significantly after the friction that was created by them losing Harvey Elliott to Liverpool. And although it's not directly linked to the Fabio Carvalho deal, I think things like that, you know, we, we know that goodwill and... What are you saying? It's, sweet- a, it's a sweetener. Yeah, I, well, it's, obviously it's two separate two separate entities, but the fact that Liverpool mm. have sent him there and, you know, interestingly, believe that there's not a loan fee involved, where you know, which is different to, say, Nat Phillips going to Bournemouth for... You know, a, a seven-figure loan fee, and you know, I think it's another quarter of a million bonus if if he helps Bournemouth get promoted. So, um, so yeah, I think for both those players, it was crucial that they went out and played matches. In terms of Nat Phillips, surprised, really surprised that a Premier League club didn't buy him. To be honest, because I, I think he improves pretty much every back four, certainly in the bo- bottom half of the Premier League. I know I thought Liverpool's fifteen million valuation was probably overly optimistic, but. I think that I think they would have done done a deal for ten. That baffles me. The fact that no one was going to pay ten million for Nat Phillips, and you know there was loan interest from Newcastle and Leicester as well. But I think the big thing for Nat Phillips was he wanted to make sure he went somewhere and played. It was no use to him going somewhere where he was just going to be cover. And you know if he helps Bournemouth get promoted into the Premier League, who knows? You know I think that may well lead to a permanent move there because um, I, I think the feeling at Liverpool was that. He can go there, hopefully flourish, and it certainly won't do any harm to to his overall value because he's also on a long-term contract. 
Yeah, you're absolutely bang on about why on earth a Premier League club didn't take him. It's bizarre, isn't it? I mean, there's some shambolic defenders in the Premier League and Nat would supersede quite a lot of them. So, Name uh, we, No, well, we, we we don't want to go that far on this pod. That's not my, that, that's not my job, that's yours, Simon. Uh, all I'm going to say is I, I think Nat is a, a player who could play at a, a very high level. I'm not saying Bournemouth isn't. Maybe I'm digging myself a hole there. Um, right, let's go to the FA Cup game against Cardiff. Um, Harvey Elliott likes to release um, a social media post or two showing his... His, his return from injury. He's done pretty well, hasn't he? What, we're about 150 um, days since he injured himself quite badly. And here he is showing us all that he's he's on the verge now, isn't he, Sam? He's played an under-23s fixture. Nothing seems to phase him. He just seems totally um, comfortable with, with any situation that comes his way. I mean, he obviously started the season in the middle of Liverpool's midfield and did absolutely fantastically. Not a position that he really played that much in. You know, previously, he'd sort of been in more of an attacking role, but made it look easy. was, for me, the star of the first month. Obviously, gets this horrific injury, which I thought, you know, when, when you see it, you think it, it could be the end for him. But within 20 minutes, he's obviously tweeting from the ambulance on the way to the hospital. Didn't seem to be too worried. I mean, I'd have been, I'd have been quite concerned if I'd have had to be carried off a football pitch in that manner. And then I remember a few months ago, we, we were at, I think it was one of the Champions League games. It might have actually been the Porto game, funnily enough, when he didn't show up and Luis Diaz was anonymous. But um, he's just walking through the press room, you know, chatting to people. He certainly seems above his age, you know, he very mature, got, you know, proper head on his shoulders. Um, and then he's back, you know, and, he, and could become a key player in Liverpool's team. You know, is, it, the, what, is he back part. from this weekend, side? For the best part of the season, um, I think it'd be a bit of a stretch maybe to play in this weekend, given that he's only had one, well, sort of competitive warm-up match, if you like. If that may, if that actually makes sense, I'm not sure, but um, it'd be a bit, a bit of a big jump to make, given the injury that he's had. So I would be surprised, but that's not to say no, because as I say, he just seems to to be able to deal with everything that comes his way. So I mean, he's he's obviously going to be a major part of Liverpool's future. There can be no no doubt about that. I, I'm. I'm really excited to see him develop because he seems to have everything really, you know, the skill, the speed, the work rate, the aggression, the creativity. I suppose, you know, we, we haven't quite seen the goals yet, but I'm sure that'll come. I just think he's a really exciting player who could achieve whatever he wants to achieve. And it, it seems like he, he's overcome what was a pretty horrific injury at record speed. I mean, in, in, incredible. Yeah, it's remarkable, isn't it? Earlier in this pod, James, Sai referred to um, Diaz as an exotic treat coming off the bench. Would that be a, a similar phrase you would use with Harvey once we see him again? <laughs> I think he's more of a domestic delight, Steve. He, um, yeah, yeah. Do you know what? I, I can't wait to see him play again because it, it see it feels like feels like a lot more than five months has passed since those days in, you know, what was it, late August, early September, when I think he amazed everyone, didn't he, at the fact that, quite rightly, he was commanding a starting place in Liverpool's midfield in those early Premier League matches, having only really learnt the position from Klopp over the course of the summer, of having played the vast majority of his, of his football kind of wide in a front three. So to be the way in which he adapted so quickly tactically to what was expected of him, you know, as part of a, a mid th- midfield three, was exceptional. I know that the, all the staff there absolutely love him, not just for his 
ability, but for his his work ethic as well. And um, as I think we've said previously on the pod, he was very fortunate as well that he um, that you know Jim Moxon, Liverpool's club doctor, and Chris Morgan, the the head physio, were on the scene so quickly after that horrific injury at Ellen Road. And you know the fact that his ankle was put back in place so fast really did limit the nerve damage and, and the issues that you can get with blood supply with an injury like that. So, you know, I, I think when we wrote a piece back in probably November time, I said that he was working two or five month rehab and here we are not quite five months on, on the brink of a comeback. And um, yeah, I think, I, you know what, the, the way that he's, the way that he's had a spring in his step, and I think anyone who's seen the highlights from the behind closed doors game against Bright, uh, sorry, against Wrexham last weekend, I mean, he's, he looked sharp, didn't he? You know, he scored, he, he laid on two assists. He's been back in full training now for, I think this is week three. So it wouldn't surprise me if he if he got a cameo off the bench against Cardiff. Um, you know, touch wood as long as there's no adverse reaction in training in the next few days. Um, so, you know, he will be desperate to get back out there. And, you know, what a reception he gets, whether that is against Cardiff or in, you know, in, in another week or so. So, um yeah, again, I think it just gives Klopp another quality option, doesn't it? And especially as well, you throw into the mix, you know, as we revealed last night on the Athletic, Thiago is now back in full training as well. You almost forget just how influential he can be. You know, seven weeks out, Liverpool again have, have kicked on and done very impressively without him. But you're always going to be a, a better squad and a more potent threat if you've got someone of Thiago's ability to call upon. And when you look at how packed that schedule is this month across four different competitions. You know, rotation is going to be key. So having people like Thiago and Harvey Elliott back gives him two brilliant extra options in midfield. Got any news on the Leeds game yet? It's a confirmation that uh, that rearranged game in the Premier League against Leeds United will now be played at Anfield on Wednesday, the 23rd of February. Of course, that game was supposed to be played on Boxing Day and was cancelled back then because of COVID tests in the positive COVID uh, tests in the in the Leeds camp, so um, it just adds to what's going to be an absolutely hectic and, in, and enthralling February. I think that's now seven games for Liverpool in the space of twenty two days across four different competitions. In a way, not ideal to be playing four days before the Carabao Cup final against Chelsea. I think ideally you'd want better preparation than that, but then again, you know, sometimes it's all about rhythm, isn't it? I think it might not be the worst thing for Liverpool to play midweek, especially with the way if the, the squad continues to look like it is in terms of the depth. You know, the Klopp should hopefully be able to make some changes, rest those who need a breather with one eye on Wembley, but but still ensure that momentum is maintained in terms of the uh, that domestic pursuit of Man City. Right, loads uh, on the Athletic at the moment. Check out size uh, piece, Luis Diaz signing, or Luis, or Luis, whatever you want to call him. Uh, Diaz signing suggests Liverpool have the ruthlessness required for long-term success. Uh, that's on there. Now, loads of other stuff that James has written as well uh, on the play. And Carvalho, thanks for listening to the podcast. That was the Red Agenda, and it's back in a few days' time. See you then.